Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. It's good to be, isn't it? You know, I was coming back from a funeral on Wednesday of a good friend, longtime friend, uh, had known for over 30 years. And the Lord just kind of dropped four phrases in my heart. And I really feel like it was to share it today. The first one, if, if we can overhead it here, the first one is this, life is messy. Can I, can I get an amen on that? Life is messy. But how many of you know that, that some of the best stuff, some of the greatest lessons you will learn in life will come through your messes? That's where God meets us. God meets us in the mess. And so stop, stop judging yourself. Stop condemning yourself in your messiness. It's okay to be messy. It's not okay to stay messy, but it's okay. Because when we judge one another by snapshots, we really miss the essence of what God's doing, on, doing in our lives, right? The second thing that kind of dropped in my, my mind, in my heart, is this, that we don't all start at the same place in life. Some of us have advantages that others do not have in this room, okay? We don't all start in the same place. Uh, I'm grateful that both my mom and dad were followers of Jesus. They gave me Jesus at a very, very early age. How many of you are, very, are first generation followers of Jesus? Can I see your hands? Okay. Wow. Wow. You know, you know some, some of you in here are probably fourth or fifth generation followers of Jesus. There's an advantage that comes along with that. So we don't, we don't all start at the same place. The third thing is this. It, it's really not how you start. It's how you finish. It's how you end. Okay? It's not how you start. So whatever mess you're in right now, it, it, just, just chill, just relax. It's gonna be okay. Because it's how you end, it's how you finish. Here's the truth. The truth is most of the fruit of your labor will not be known until after you're gone. You won't even see a lot of the fruit of your labor until after you're gone. You know, there are a lot of guys, if you go, go kind of to the uh, hall of faith in, in Hebrews 11, there were a lot of guys who, and gals who had a promise from God that they never saw fulfilled in their lifetime. And today, we walk at a new level of faith because of the pioneering that they did. So, some of you are at a place where you'll, you'll never know fully the impact you've had in your life, but it's worth living in it. And then the fourth thing that, that I think every one of us can apply is this. Gratitude is the key to living life well. Gratitude is the key to living life well. Gratitude gives you God's perspective. You, know what, you wanna know what's on God's mind? You wanna know what God's thinking? Gratitude will get there. Gratitude will release joy in your life. Did you know that gratitude precedes miracles? 
Gratitude precedes the raising of the dead in Scripture. It really does. Gratitude precedes healing in Scripture. I'm going to get ahead of myself here. When I, when I was 24 years old, my wife and I, Lisa and I, and our little baby, Ryan, moved to, uh, from Austin to Gonzales, Texas. And uh, Lisa's a city girl. She'd not really lived in the country before, but it was, it was a fun experience. And uh, I, when I was the youth pastor at the First Baptist Church. And so we, I had a youth room. It was on the second story of the complex of buildings we had there. And I had a big area here, but I had a little Sunday school room I never knew what to do with because it was too small to really have classes in but I knew it had purpose. And one day I felt like the Lord said, turn it into a prayer room. So I put butcher paper on three of the walls and just turned it into a prayer room. Anytime people wanted to come in there, young people had some college people come in there and they would just write prayer requests on the wall. And during the week I would go in there and I would just, just pray for some of these things. A lot of them I had no clue. But right in the very center of the butcher paper, and it was circled, it, it kind of looked like a target, like right in the middle of it all, it was circled in big, broad uh, magic marker. It said, Norman needs to know Jesus. That's all it said, Norman needs to know Jesus. I didn't know who Norman was, didn't, didn't have a clue. And so I began to hear stories about Norman. About a year later, I met Norman. Norman was 19 years old when I met him, and, and uh, his reputation had preceded him. Some people had told me, Norman is brilliant. Norman is kind. Some people said, Norman is an outlaw, and Norman has done some stuff that's just terrible. Can I tell you, all of it was true. Can I tell you, all of it, is true about you and I, right? You know why? Because life is messy. It's messy. I won't ask for you to raise your hand because every one of us would have our hands up. Have you done something that you're ashamed of? You've done something you really regret. You said, man, can I have a mulligan? I'd, I'd like a do-over on that one. You know, that was just a bad, bad, bad choice. Bad choice. Don't share with your neighbor, but later you can... Are you glad you're redeemed? Are you, are you glad for Jesus? Are you glad for freedom? So I met Norman, and Norman um, was everything and more. Very bright guy. And so we, we began to talk, we began to, to get to know each other, and we became very good friends in the process. And so Norman would, uh, he would, I remember the first word I gave Norman. The Lord just, you know, I mean, I'm just a young Baptist youth pastor and the Lord gives me a word for this guy. That that's makes counseling go a lot better, by the way, you know? And so I looked at him and I said, you're a Renaissance man. And he looked at me and he goes, who, who told you that? I said, what do you mean? He said, who told you that? I said, nobody did. I, I just, I feel like the Lord said to tell you, you're a Renaissance man. And he said, my friend, and, my friend Charles and I were just talking about that. We've been having conversations. Our goal in life is to be Renaissance men. How many of you know whenever you give a word like that, how many of you use the word Renaissance very often? 
you know, other than uh, Hugh Bromley. Uh, Renaissance is not a word that comes to my mind very often. So I know whenever I get the word Renaissance, it's probably God. Wasn't even sure what it meant when I gave it, but I know, I know now. And so we began to talk and, and Norman and I became friends. And so Norman had uh, gotten kicked out of uh, catechism when he was 12 years old. He'd vandalized some stuff and I mean, he'd just done some bad stuff. In fact, he was actually um, on his way to jail when I met him. And so he was, he was desperate. He, had, he, had, he was hungry, he was teachable. And so we began to hang out together and he said, you know, I've never been to a non-Catholic church before. He said, I'd like to go to church with us. Okay. And so I was the youth pastor and at the end of the service, I would stand on my place at the end of the aisle and the pastor and people would respond or not. And every Sunday, Norman would come forward. And the pastor would ask me afterwards, hey, so did Norman get saved today? I said, no, not yet. He said, why does he keep coming forward? I said, he, every week you'll say something that stirs a question in him or he doesn't understand what you said. And he just comes and he asks me questions. Hey, what do you think? And so, and I'm like, Norman, this is not a time just to have, you know, <laughs> chit chat. So we'll, we'll talk later on that. But he's a bright guy. And so he would, he would constantly do this deal. One day he calls me up, it's about two in the morning. And he says, I'm having really bad thoughts. And I said, okay. He said, would you pray for me? So, I mean, it's two in the morning. By then I have three little babies and we're up all night feeding babies and I'm, but I want my sleep. And so I pray a quick prayer. I couldn't tell you what I prayed. The next morning I get up and I go to the office there at the church. And when I get to the office, to my office, Norman is sitting in my, at my desk in my chair. Somehow he has gotten into the church. I did, I did not ask how he got in. But he, yeah. And so we're, he's sitting in my chair and I said, dude, you're sitting in my chair. What, what's going on? He goes, it happened. I said, what happened? He said, it happened last night. I said, what, what are you talking about? He said, well, last night, what you don't know is when I called you and asked you to pray for me that I was thinking bad thoughts, I had a gun to my head. He said, my little brother was, was sitting there watching me. And I told him, I said, if this doesn't work, if I don't encounter God, this is gonna be the end of it. And he said, God came, God met me. He said, I, I got born again last night. How many of you ever prayed a really crappy prayer and somebody got born again? <laughs> yeah? That, that speaks a whole lot to how much God loves us and he's, in on this deal, and he was after him. He just needed somebody to agree with him, you know? In the next six months, everybody in his family came to Christ. It was, it was incredible. I mean, we were just seeing one family member after another coming to Christ, except for his mom. His mom's name is Hope, and Esperanza, isn't that a beautiful name? Hope. And I knew, I knew that was her destiny. I knew that was her purpose. You, you know how you meet some people and you go, ah, that person's name says it all. They're, they're to be a hope giver. And Hope was a beautiful lady. She was funny. She was lively. But her alcoholism and her promiscuity of her lifestyle 
it really begun to take its toll on her life. I met her, she was about 47 years old. And so began to build a relationship with her and would come over and, and eat her arroz con pollo and it was a wonderful family. I mean, just a great Hispanic family. We just had such a good time. And every, every one of the children would say, please pray for mama, please pray for mama. And I loved the mama. One night, about three in the morning, uh, morning, I guess it was, Norman calls me and says, hey, uh, my mom's not doing well. She's having an episode. I said, okay. He said, would you come and pray for her? This is, for, this is Saturday night, right? I've got church in just a few hours, and I said, and I have little babies. And I said, yeah, I'll come, and, and I did. And that night was one of the most incredible nights of my life because Hope Garcia gave her life to Jesus that night. And uh, it was, she was having an episode, but at the hands of all of her children, uh, none of them over six months in the Lord prayed for their mama, saw her free and come to the Lord Jesus. Now, she, Hope, in the next years, we built relationship. Two years later, I was gone. I moved, moved away, had moved to Austin. Norman, who when I first met him, was on his way to jail, was now at Howard Payne University studying. And so I kept up with the family some, but I'd moved. Now, fast forward 32 years. I've not seen many of the family for 32 years. And on January the 31st, I get a, a text from Norman. He says, hey, my mom passed away. Would you be available to do her funeral? And I thought, wow, 32 years, that's a long time. I've maybe seen her, you know, a couple, three times in between. And so I'm with the family, we're catching up, right? We're telling stories, we're remembering. And so they're telling me some stories about about her life and and what had had transpired in her in that time. And and it was so interesting because Hope um, was saved at 47 and she died at 79. So she had 47 years of living a really messy life. But she had 32 years of living with Jesus. And so by the time the funeral came, I mean, it was, you know, a couple hundred people had packed this um, funeral home out. And, and so you had those who knew her on the, this side of the cross, who the, the hope that knew Jesus, and those who knew the 47 years of hope preceding that. And so the conversations were really rich. <laughs> they were really rich. Um, but, but how about you? You've got those two sides of your life too. Life is really messy and we don't all start at the same place, but it's not where you start, it's how you finish. And so Hope, uh, was she only had a sixth or seventh grade education. And in that time between she had gotten her GED, and at the age of 56, had gone to Howard Payne University to get her degree. At the age of 60, she got her degree. And, and every one of her uh, family members got their degree. I mean, none of them had had their degree. She was a, she was a real matriarch. She, she was a person, she was a real mom. I asked, I asked several people, I said, if you could describe hope in a couple words, what, what would you say? What, what would be some words? And here, here's some. The number one was, was obviously hope. She was the most hopeful person I'd ever met. 
Uh, cook, laughter, encourager, mother, protector, courage. Those are the kind of words. But the two, you know the two after hope that got the most answers were she was a joyful person and she had so much gratitude. Her heart, she was so grateful for everything. Hope, all that she had gone through, she was still always incredibly grateful. She was grateful for the little things. I talked to her, her brother in a very, very extended, this thing, the funeral started at nine o'clock with a viewing. And I mean, it's five o'clock and it's still going on in the reception. Everybody's, I mean, it's, it's just crazy, but it's fun. And you're listening to people just share the most minute details of things that impacted them. How many know it's usually the little things that really impact thing. But the thing I kept hearing over and over and over, she was a generous, grateful person. She just loved people well, and she was incredibly grateful with little or with a lot. She was just grateful. She was the same person even before, uh, then after. And so I think a quote from Albert Schweitzer, he said, the greatest thing is to give thanks for everything. He who has learned this knows what it means to live. He has penetrated the whole mystery of life, giving thanks, thanks for everything. You know, and this is a quote, I'm not sure who it's from, but I like it. It says, deep joy is found at the table of thanksgiving. Do you want to be a joyful person? Learn how to enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart to his courts with praise. Learn to be glad-hearted. Learn to be a person who really has the perspective of God. You know, in the very beginning, Satan wanted more. Can you, do you have any idea of the place from which Satan fell in heaven? But he wanted more. He, he wanted more glory. And so, in essence, Satan, Lucifer, the devil was an ingrate. Can I tell you that Satan's sin became the first sin of all humanity? We became ingrates. We became ungrateful for who we are and how God created us and all that he's given us. Adam and Eve were simply and painfully ungrateful for all that God had given them. You know, when you... Isn't ungratefulness really the catalyst of all of my sins, all of your sins? You think about that. Because if we're not aligned with God, if we don't see things from God's perspective, if we don't have the heart of God, what will happen is we'll become dissatisfied with our life. We'll become ungrateful for the things that God has given us. We'll become ungrateful for what he has done for us. We won't even know what the story is because our mind, our eyes become blinded. You know, the story is this. The devil in, in Genesis 3.15 says, that, or 3.5 says, in the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be opened. Now, there, there's some truth to that, but there, that's a, there's a lie. There's a hook in the very core of that thing. In the beginning, our eyes were already open. In the beginning, we had perfect sight. We saw things exactly the way God sees them. Our vision let us see the world just 
overflowing with the goodness of God. God created us in oneness with him to know just how good he is. And everything we saw was just curiosity and fascination and glory. And so we're lured by the deception that there's more. There's more. If you want a full life, there's more than what God has given you. And so we eat. And in an instant, we're blind. In an instant, we no longer see God as one that we can trust. In an instant, we no longer see that God is good. You know, even from our youngest of age, trauma can do that to you. You have a traumatic experience in your life and all of a sudden you're blind to the goodness of God. All of a sudden your eyes are so much on that injustice, that thing that happened that you can't understand, you can't explain, you can't make sense of that you become blind to the goodness of God. And so we eat and in an instant we see. But now we see through the devil's lens. Now, when we look at our world, well, just, just turn on the news. We see lack, we see loss, we see scarcity, we see fear. We see all of those things. But guess whose lens we're looking through? We're not looking through the eyes of God. We're looking through the eyes of the devil. Fast forward, Jesus has come, he's lived his life. And the scripture says, on the night when Jesus was betrayed, something was about to be restored for good. Something, a change would happen that would make everything right again. He says, on that night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he gave thanks he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. In the Greek, for he gave thanks is the word eucharisteo. It's the word eucharist comes from, the thanksgiving, the great thanksgiving. If you're from Catholic background, you'll understand that word, the eucharist. When you come to Holy Communion, it's a great thanksgiving. It's a cup of thanksgiving. It's a table of thanksgiving. At the very center is gratitude and thanksgiving. At the very center of self-centered life, of life apart from God, is ingratitude. In essence, when we come to the table of the Lord, and we're not coming to the table of the Lord today, but somehow I want to talk about the table of the Lord today, it's a visual picture to remind us of restoration to thanksgiving and gratitude again. See, the thing about hope is that her eyes were so focused on the goodness of God that thanksgiving just flowed out of her. It wasn't something that was forced or coerced. It was something that was real. It was something that's tangible. And can I tell you, every one of us has been planted with an incorruptible seed of the living word of God. And it's at that point of thanksgiving that things are released. Things, joy explodes from within us. You, the, the word eucharisteo, the root word of that is charis, 
or grace. A derivative or part of that word is kara, which means joy. So you've got thanksgiving, grace, and joy all working together in this meal that Jesus is saying, thank you. It's the full of life that's always been joy. Jesus said this in John 15, 11, I have told you to remain in my love so that my joy, my kara, may be in you and that your joy, kara, may be full or complete. You want the full life? You want the complete life? Jesus is saying it's a life of thanksgiving. And thanksgiving gives way to joy. Give thanks to the Lord for he's good. His love endures forever. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. It's, it's a life that is, is focused again on what matters. So the Eucharist is central as a symbol of Christianity. Thanksgiving. Now, Thanksgiving, I said this earlier, Thanksgiving always precedes miracles. How many of you could use a good miracle in your life? A couple, three, four, you got, got some thanks? You know, you, know, you know what pulls the trigger for miracles to happen? It's, it's Thanksgiving in our heart. It's really believing that God's as good as he says he is and giving voice to that, to declare his goodness. It's showing that love, showing that thanksgiving to one another. I mean, there, there are some of you, have you ever gotten a, or recently gotten a, a word of, of gratitude, encouragement, thanksgiving from somebody and it literally changed everything in your day, okay? There's something about that kind of a power of gratitude to say, you know, I am so grateful for your investment in my life. I'm so grateful for who you are in my life. I'm so grateful for you just showing up, being there. Whatever that looks like, you fill in the blank. But Jesus talks a little bit about Thanksgiving preceding miracles. He, he takes the bread and he gives thanks on that day before he will go to the cross. And the miracle of Jesus Enduring the cross for the joy set before him. Did you ever see that in there? That he is thanking the father for the joy that's about to come the next day as he is hanging on an old wooden cross on our behalf. Who's the joy set before him? It's us. There's a whole lot more to that, but at the end game is he loves us that much. He's for us that much. How about when Jesus is standing outside of Lazarus' tomb? One of his very best friends, been dead for four days. And Jesus prays this prayer. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. That's his prayer. Father, I thank you because you have heard me. And the miracle of a dead man rising takes place. You know, I think if we can align with Thanksgiving of what God's doing, I think we'll see the miraculous happen. Do you believe that? Because it's, it, it's a posture of our hearts. Arrogance says, show me first, and then I'll be grateful. But the heart of God says, no, no, come to me with a grateful heart and empty hands, and I'll show you who I am and what I'm all about. Finally, I want, if you have your scripture, turn with me to Luke 17. Luke 17. 
familiar scripture. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and he's traveling along, it says, between Samaria and Galilee. And he comes across 10 lepers who meet him and they cry out, Jesus, master, have pity on us. And so Jesus just looks at him. He says, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. They were cleansed. Remember this story? Nine of the guys never showed back up. They never said a word. But one of the guys, a Samaritan, comes back to Jesus. And we pick it up in verse 16, or verse 15. It says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, everybody say healed. He was healed. He came back praising God in a loud voice and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. He was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked him, we're, we're, we're not are all the 10, we're not all 10 cleansed. Because Jesus hadn't gone to the priest. He said, oh yeah, they, we, we were, you know, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God for this, except, uh, to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. How many are pretty familiar with that, that story? How many of you are confused about the last phrase in there? He says, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Didn't he say they were already healed? They went to the priest and they were all, all 10 of them were healed. Am I the only one who reads this and kind of go, hmm, what's going on there? Yeah. You know that word right there um, that he uses for made you well? I don't know what your translations say. You know what that word is there? It's sozo. It's sozo. Your faith has made you saved. Your faith has made you whole. What's he saying there? The evidence of a person who is saved, healed, delivered, made whole is that they give thanks. You know, we can walk around and we can say, well, what, what's the evidence of being filled with the Holy You know what I think the evidence of most things is? It's that you're thankful, that you're grateful. And these guys, this one guy came back and he was grateful for what Jesus had done. You know, the, the one thing that captured my heart whenever I was at this funeral with all these people was the gratitude in the room. And I want to tell you, I think one of the things that is going to be a power pack, an energizer for Sozo, is going to be our gratitude. It's going to be our thanksgiving. It's going to be our willingness to say, you know what? Humbly, God, if you don't show up, we're not going to make it. We don't know what we're doing, but you do. And we're so grateful. And to live at a place of gratitude for each individual. I was just, just thanking God. I was just looking down the aisles and thanking God for people during the, during the worship. Just so grateful. You know, a lot of times we, we, we res- I don't know why, but we reserve our gratitude for one another. And I think, it's, I, I think it is imperative that if you want to live vulnerably, if you want to see things opened up, if you want to see people free, We've got to live at that level of transparency of just saying, I'm so grateful for you. My life is so enriched by you. You know, I'm not the person, I I couldn't be the person I am without you. I was was at this 
a reception thing, and I was finally, I looked at my wife, I said, I gotta go. And, and they were still going strong. And as I was walking out the door, a little lady stands up and she says, and this man right here who's walking out, and I go, okay, so, you know, this we're gonna get good. And so I stopped me. She said, God sent this man to Gonzales, Texas for such a time as this. I thought, man, I just showed up. That's about all I did. I didn't know what I was doing. I just showed up. But I looked at the gratitude in the hearts of people who didn't even know me in that room that, that hope is now with Jesus. And I saw all the hope that she had given. And one of the guys said, this is your family tree, Steve. And I went, oh, God's gonna tell you what, your life of gratitude is creating a family tree. And I wanna tell you, God is wanting to explode stuff here in Sozo, but I believe it really begins in a place of gratitude. Because that from that flows joy, from that flows, flows the miraculous. I'm gonna ask the team if you guys would come come back up. And I just want us to I want us to kind of end where we started. If you if you would take a look at uh, Psalm chapter nine, Joel Joel shared this. I really think that Thanksgiving is the manifestation of our yes. You know, it's our yes to Jesus' grace. It's the evidence of our acceptance of whatever he gives. Listen, listen to this, because I, I, I want us to, just go ahead and stand, stand with me. Let's all stand. I'm going to ask our prayer folks if you guys would go ahead and come on up too. Psalm 9, verse 1 says this. It says, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. Let's say that together. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of your wonderful deeds. I will tell of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name you're the most high. There's none like you. There never will be anyone like you. I owe you my very life. I give you my very life. And as we're, we're worshiping here, I want to just ask you, if, if there's somebody here that you just need to go to and say, I'm so grateful for you. I've never, I've never, I don't know that I've ever told you how grateful I am for you and your investment in my life. And I'm gonna do my best to pay it forward. For, for all of us, we just need to do that this way as well. Maybe you're here today and your life's a mess. Can I say it's okay? It really is okay because it, as long as you're asking God in the middle of the mess, God, what in the world are you doing? And I trust you with me. Some of you are here and you have regrets in comparisons can I say one thing about comparison? Stop it. Just quit it. Don't do it. It's competition. 
Stop it. Let go of it. it, it, it it'll kill you. And, and we don't all start at the same place anyway, right? Father, we thank you that you're here with us. And we thank you that you are the Lord God who saves, who heals, who delivers, who makes us whole. So Lord, this morning we give you thanks and we receive your good gifts. We're not gonna be ungrateful or ingrates. We're gonna receive all that you have. Lord, we break any uh, pride, arrogance in Jesus' name. And we just say, Lord, we humble ourselves and we receive all that you have for us so that we can freely be a conduit of it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have need this morning, come and receive prayer.